back as well. One of my favorite guests by far, somebody I greatly admire and respect. I know you do as well and learn a lot from. He has an immense amount of experience. And, and when, you know, people talk about someone who's an expert, he definitely is an expert in the areas that he discusses. Colonel Cedric Layton is our guest, founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates. They're a strategic risk and leadership consultancy serving global communities and or- companies, excuse me, and organizations. Recently, the colonel acquired his new position. He is now one of CNN's military analysts. Congrats on that, Colonel. He founded his company in 2010 after serving in the U.S. Air Force for 26 years as an intelligence officer and attaining the rank of Colonel. He held assignments all around the world and at every level of command to include tactical deployed units, the U.S. Special Ops Command, national agencies, as well as the Joint Staff in the Pentagon. More than a pleasure to have back with us on the show, Colonel Cedric Layton. Colonel Layton, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us, and congrats on the latest addition to your gigs as a, a CNN military analyst. Oh, thank you, Leslie. It's great to be with you again, and thanks so much for the kind words. And it's and it's good that it's good that CNN has you because I, you know, I do think that there are some people who should be analyzing some things, whether it's military or what other more than others. And you're definitely one I feel that should. Uh, speaking oh, of, thanks. let's talk about the move. It seems the president is making. It could be announced in the next few weeks by Secretary of State Kerry um, to use the genocide label for ISIS in Iraq and. You know, some people say, well, why didn't they, you know, label past killings of Christians genocide? And then there are people out there that say, wait a minute, Muslims are the largest, uh, you know, population of victims by ISIS in both Syria and Iraq. Uh, But this is specifically about the Yazidi community, which are neither Christian or Muslim, but a bit of both Christian and Muslim because they have their own beliefs, their own religion that takes um, pieces of both of those religions. Right, yeah. It's, and what's interesting, Leslie, about this is that that uh, the whole label of genocide uh, really pertains to not the quantity of, uh, you know, speaking just in, in terms of numbers here, not the quantity of people killed or, or wounded or otherwise made refugees, uh, but the fact that what they wanted to do, what ISIS's goal was, was to wipe out the Yazidi community. And so that's what uh, puts them in this in this category potentially. And, you know, it's something when you look at uh, some of the other things that have happened in history, uh, recent history, such as, uh, you know, in Rwanda, where um, you had a a situation, you know, between two ethnic groups uh, that, uh, you know, resulted in uh, in mass killings on both sides, really. Uh, And then, of course, you had Bosnia, you know, where there were so many, uh, so many instances of uh, Serbs trying to uh, get rid of uh, the Muslim uh, communities in Bosnia. So there, there were a lot of different. There are a lot of different, unfortunately, modern examples, post World War II examples of uh, genocide or attempted genocide. So I think that although it's considered a rare uh, measure, a rare uh, diplomatic or international effort, I, I think it is the right thing to do. Uh, you know, in order to label ISIS as a, uh, you know, not only an outlaw in the sense of a terrorist organization, but also an outlaw in the sense of, in essence, the rules of humanity. And that's that's really what we're looking at here is, you know, are these people uh, you know, operating beyond the pale? It's one thing to, you know, fight for a cause that you believe in. It's another thing to uh, try to establish an independent country. It's quite a different thing to eliminate people as you're doing that. And, and that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to eliminate so many 
uh, members of the Yazidi minority, uh, you know, horrific, uh, not only relocation measures, but, uh, you know, the fact of rape, the fact of, uh, you know, killing all the boys and the men, uh, you know, that were of military age. Uh, these people, you know, are, are clearly, if anybody's deserving of that label, uh, it would be ISIS. Uh, okay, I agree with you there. Colonel, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, battles against ISIS and maybe some ideas that some presidential hopefuls have had as well. We'll be back with the Colonel. Follow him on Twitter at Cedric Layton, C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, and the website, CedricLayton.com. Back with the Colonel, one of CNN's newest military analysts, right after this. Back to our guest here on the Only True Democracy in Talk Radio. We're talking ISIS, we are talking genocide, and we are talking a lot of things regarding this terrorist organization. Colonel Cedric Layton, founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, and one of the newest CNN military analysts joining us. Colonel, thank you for holding welcome back. The word genocide, that label, what happens in the international community, especially the uh, neighboring countries, which the United States seems to need desperately to have the assistance of, uh, you know, militarily uh, to, to combat this group. I, I mean, how, how, how fast and, you know, what kind of action is taken simply with a designation of genocide, um, you know, toward the group ISIS uh, in regard to these Yazidi people? Well, it becomes a court issue, actually, and then there's the International Court of Justice at The Hague, and so what that does is uh, the label genocide gives them the ability to start investigations, and uh, usually under the auspices of the United Nations, it could be another party. Uh, they can bring charges against another country or another entity for engaging in genocidal acts, and when they do that, uh, that then, in essence, criminalizes the action. It's against the law to do this from a against international law from a law of war standpoint and it is also against the law from uh, the UN charter and so when you use both of those elements the UN charter as well as uh, internationally agreed upon laws of war then you can get them in uh, in terms of violating both those sets of laws and as a result of that uh, you can bring charges against them in the international court of justice which is precisely what was done in the case of Slobodan Milosevic in uh, Serbia, and uh, it can be done with other people, too. It was also, of course, done after World War II at the Nuremberg trials. So this is the kind of thing that could happen where we may see a trial in the future, maybe a distant future, but still in the future of ISIS leaders uh, that are uh, captured and brought before an international tribunal such as this. Colonel, so that people understand also, but in that situation with, um, you know, with uh, Milosevic, he was captured. I mean, you know, they had him physically. ISIS is an organization. It's not just one individual. Uh, One, two, spread out over at least two countries. Um, Three, we, you know, haven't, you know, caught them. So when Congressman Adam Schiff Um, A Democrat from California says this is going to take, you know, decades, even with such a designation, Um, quite frankly, not with this, not just with what you talked about with regard to the court and this type of uh, tribunal coming out of The Hague, but with regard to beating ISIS and not just in a court of law that this would take decades. Do you agree with that with your military expertise? It depends on exactly what we do. So when uh, Congressman Schiff talked about this, uh, he was looking at it, you know, in, in regards to the current strategy that we have, which means that we won't have any intervention by ground troops in in this case. 
if you put ground troops in there or special forces units that, you know, are de facto ground troops but don't have the same presence as conventional ground forces, you could potentially shorten that timeline. But it's, uh, you know, it's certainly possible that it would take about a decade or, uh, you know, hopefully a little bit less than that. But uh, but that's the idea. It would, uh, it would perhaps take a long time, but uh, it would also be something that once they are caught, uh, it would... Uh, be a significant factor, uh, you know, in, in whether or not uh, they are tried, first of all. It would also be a significant factor, depending on the type of evidence that is gathered. Uh, it, uh, you know, it, it, when you look at something like this, uh, part of it, uh, you know, is, is something where we have to look at the kind of strategy that we're using. So if we decide, if, uh, you know, Secretary Kerry, in fact, does go out and uh, makes a statement that uh, ISIS has committed genocide, which, by the way, I would support uh, based on the evidence that we're dealing with, um, it would then be you know up to us to develop a strategy to capture these people, and if we do that, that may change the timeline that uh, that we're involved with here. And when we look at what is being proposed or what is being done, um, let's talk about Russia for a minute with regard um, to ISIS. Um, Colonel, what do your contacts worldwide have to say regarding the claims Russia's making that they're attacking ISIS? The maps I have seen just don't seem to have a lot of ISIL members in those areas of Syria that are being targeted by Russian military. That's right. In fact, uh, Russia is absolutely targeting areas uh, that uh, used to be controlled by what we knew as the Free Syrian Army, basically areas that are controlled now by other Syrian rebel groups uh, and, you know, by the al-Nusra Front, which is an al-Qaeda offshoot. Uh, they are not concentrating except for a few minor strikes. Uh, they are not uh, concentrating on ISIS installations, and uh, they are, with one exception, uh, not attacking Raqqa, which is the de facto capital of ISIS. The exception uh, to that was after the Metrojet airliner was shot, it was bombed. Uh, almost misspoke there, but it was, was you know, apparently based on the intelligence that we see so far, was uh, the result of a bomb uh, that was placed in the cargo hold, probably, of that aircraft. Uh, there was a Russian reaction that did involve targeting ISIS targets, uh, but uh, they are, you know, they are to be believed. Um, in you know what they do that that would be you know it would be a completely different uh, different equation there this could change though uh, because uh, it seems as if the russians are uh, not only gearing up for uh, some more involvement against isis uh, it's also true that isis has uh, basically said that they are going to go after the russians so in one way or the other the russians may very well find themselves drawn into a fight against isis whether it happens in the middle east in syria especially or even possibly in Russia, and that, of course, would have some significant consequences for what happens on the ground there. Just uh, your personal opinion, do you think ISIS did, in fact, take down that Russian plane? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, right now all the evidence points to that. Uh, and the reason I say that is the the group uh, that ISIS uh, has is basically an ISIS affiliate in the Sinai Peninsula is probably the only group that is locally active that is capable of doing that, that would have an interest in doing that. And uh, that's why I would say that, uh, you know, the evidence right now points to that. Uh, there is no other indication there was, you know, that there was a mechanical failure. Uh, there's no other indication that uh, there was pilot error or anything like that that contributed to the crash. So at the moment, uh, you know, the evidence seems to point in the direction that uh, it was brought down 
down by a bomb, and that uh, the the group that did that was probably ISIS. They've claimed responsibility. Uh, sometimes those claims are false. In this case, I think they they're probably correct. And with regard to Russia and this fight, do you think ISIS is striking Russia because Russia claims they're striking ISIS, and maybe, like you say, maybe they've had a hit or two? But is it more so because Russia is defending Assad and supporting and helping his uh, military regime, which ISIS clearly wants to overthrow so they can have their caliphate, not just in a portion of Syria, but perhaps take over that entire nation? Absolutely. Well, ISIS absolutely wants to take over that nation. And uh, I think the other thing that we need to look at is that ISIS does not respect the borders that uh, were drawn up, uh, you know, after World War One and after World War Two in the Middle East. They really want to create something completely different and really dispense with that, uh, the world order as it exists right now. So I think that Russia... Uh, is the target is ISIS's target because uh, the Russians, first of all, are supporting Assad, just like you said, and uh, ISIS sees it as his life's mission to get rid of Assad and to get rid of the Iraqi regime in Baghdad. So they want to do both of those things and use both of the countries of Iraq and Syria as their jumping-off point for even further conquests. And that's why you know what they're doing is basically in response to that they're trying to shore up their own area and to, in doing that anybody who attacks them or who supports the Assad regime in the case of Syria or the Iraqi regime in the case of Iraq they are going to go ahead and and go after them and that's that's why uh, Russia presented a very good target for them and that's why they took advantage of it we are seeing some weird names come up obviously in this fight uh, against ISIS and in the fight to help um, Assad. We know that Russia is definitely trying to help uh, the president of Syria and his forces. But we, you know, certainly hear about Iran fighting um, ISIS. And uh, we also hear about Hezbollah. And is Hezbollah Mm -hmm. fighting ISIS? I mean, I I get so confused. It's, It's very confusing when you have some terrorists actually doing some of the work we would, you know, almost in a, in a, almost in an alliance with us, if you will, abroad. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, this is one of those areas where strange bedfellows, as the saying goes, are, are definitely going to be around. And, and uh, you know, what you're seeing here is, you know, we have said ISIS is a, a, a top enemy of the United States. Uh, Assad says uh, ISIS is a top enemy of his, same with the Iraqi regime. And, of course, the Iranians say the same thing. They're looking at it from a sectarian standpoint. The Iranians and, quite frankly, the Assad regime are Shiite. In the case of the Assad regime, they're Alawites, which is an offshoot of Shiism. And Iran and Syria have had a long-term relationship uh, for many, many, many years. It goes back uh, you know, to the 80s and actually to the Iranian Revolution. Uh, and that long-term relationship, it's in essence uh, payback time. Now it's time for the Iranians to give concrete military support to uh, the Assad regime. The other thing with Hezbollah is also in that vein, because Hezbollah is supported by Iran. Uh, it has its main organization,
situation in Lebanon. And, of course, uh, this evening in Lebanon, they had a major bomb blast that uh, killed about, uh, I think, uh, about 200 people were injured, about 41, I think, were killed. And, of course, those figures will probably change. And And ISIS has claimed responsibility for that. So what you're seeing is that these different groups, these strange bedfellows, are all getting together to fight a common enemy. It could also mean that Russia and the United States come together for this particular purpose, in other words, to get rid of ISIS. So there is a, you know, a lot of strange stuff going on, a lot of strange coalitions being built. And one of the reasons is a lot of different factions and different organizations in different countries want to get rid of ISIS. And speaking of want to get rid of ISIS, there's a lot of criticism with the handling of ISIS by some of those on the GOP stage. Donald Trump thinks that Putin, I guess, should handle ISIS, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Ben Carson has made some comments regarding ISIS. Um, Two quick things, um, you know, Colonel, if you don't mind. First, um, have you heard anything valid left or right from any of the candidates and, you know, proposals to get rid of ISIS? And two, what should the president be doing that he's not? Well, I'd say, you know, for number one, a lot of the talk is uh, very cheap, uh, and it's not really thinking through the basic strategy. I've not heard a coherent strategy really from anybody uh, that would say, you know, let's go in, let's do these you know, three or four things, and this is our number one goal, get rid of ISIS. Number two goal is to get rid of Assad. You know, those kinds of things. The closest has been the Obama administration. Uh, They've kind of articulated that, but then they haven't really followed through in terms of actually putting uh, the requisite military force into play that would then potentially be able to do that, be able to carry out that kind of a mission. So, you know, that then segues into the second part of what you asked, and, you know, what should the administration do right now. And I would say uh, they made a good start finally in getting those 50 or so special operations forces into Syria. Uh, it's very important for us to recognize that ISIS doesn't recognize those borders that we we see on the maps everywhere. Uh, and we need to, in essence, fight our war kind of with that idea in mind. And we also have to realize that, you know, really the number one danger to us from an existential threat standpoint and also from a uh, economic standpoint is ISIS. Number two is the Assad regime. And that really complicates matters because uh, they are enemies of each other. And if you support one, uh, you are going against the other and vice versa. So we have a very, very difficult thing to deal with here. But what we really need to do is develop a series of, uh, you know, uh, tactics and an operational picture of this war with, under a coherent strategy that says, this is what we're going to do. This is when we'll do it. And then this is how we're going to execute that plan. And I haven't seen that yet. And part of the reason we probably haven't seen that is because they want to keep it under wraps before they actually, you know, go ahead and, and uh, you know, initiate operations. But I think we're starting to see that with the military moves in and around Sinjar in northwestern Iraq right now. Two, uh, one quick uh, question, uh, Colonel, to finish up. Uh, guys, let me, if, if you could just answer this quick. There are people that say the reason ISIS, we have uh, this problem with ISIS, is that we invaded the sovereign nation of Iraq and they want to blame Bush. There are those that say we pulled out of the region too quickly in Iraq and they fear that in doing in that region, the Middle East and Afghanistan as well, that pulling out of Iraq too soon contributed to this. What's your opinion? Both are 
at least partially correct. I, I think that you know going into Iraq certainly upset the balance of power that existed at the time, uh, and that was you know certainly the cause of the instability that created ISIS. When we left, we created a vacuum, and that vacuum is what ISIS is exploiting. All right. Uh, Colonel, thank you so much for taking the time. Congrats on the CNN gig. One of CNN's newest military analysts, Colonel Cedric Layton, founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, a U.S. Air Force member for 26 years. He was an intelligence officer and held assignments at every level of command. Like I said, tactical deployed units, U.S. Special Ops Command, national agencies, as well as the joint staff in the Pentagon. We love him and love having him always learn more when he's on. Follow him on Twitter at Cedric Layton, C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, website, CedricLayton.com. Quick break and back with Talk Radio News Service right after this.